Hi, John. Hey, Dave. And welcome, everybody. This is our podcast that we call Coffee and Capes. Let's start with the coffee part. You know, I feel like at some point we should develop a routine. Maybe we should develop a routine at the beginning here. Like, I think all the podcasts that I listen to regularly have a pretty set opening routine thing. And I thought maybe we should do that. But then I thought that's really kind of not us to have a set opening routine thing. So no, I think, I, I mean, our opening routine is we talk about our coffee that we're drinking. Yeah. Okay. Well, what are you drinking today, John? Uh, I am drinking, it's uh, called the Kensington Blend from Reanimator. I got it through Trade Coffee, um, which is a, a coffee subscription service online. Uh, you can find them at drinktrade.com. They they do small batch roasters from all over the United States. So the nice thing is, is that you're supporting small businesses with this yeah. as well. And they send a new like coffee every month. So this one's really nice. It's a medium dark. It's got some really nice like chocolate and toffee flavors to it. It's very tasty. Uh, I'm really enjoying this one and I'm enjoying it in, as we can see from my background, we're in very much the Star Wars, Wars. kind of mood. Yeah. Started watching Rogue One again this week uh, while Rachel's out of town to just kind of keep myself busy and really it's hard because you just want to skip to the end of that one yes watch Darth Vader be Darth Vader but anyway what are you drinking this morning Dave I I've got a nice I got the regular porcelain mug cup today uh old school in in honor of the uh of our diner beginnings one of these days we'll have to do an origins origin story um as an episode like how this whole thing got started for us but I have Mother Earth coffee, and uh, I've got a lovely organic medium roast. Where'd you get Mother Earth coffee from? I got that actually at Costco. Oh. Um, but it too is a, it's a, so obviously organic, uh, direct trade with, uh, with their farmers. Um, nice. Like small and small batch roasters. So it's, uh, it's, it's coffee, a cup of coffee you can feel good about, which yeah. is important to me. Like, I first read about, you know, sustainable practices with coffee, like in the late nineties and have been trying to do the organic fair trade thing on with coffee ever since. Cause daggone it. I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's nice to be able to support small businesses. Right. So, um, so I, I don't think, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, we're supporting the, obviously geek culture which is no longer i would consider a small business by any stretch of the imagination um but that's okay that's okay right you don't have to be a, a warrior for all small businesses you can enjoy your life the way you want to enjoy correct correct that's part of that's that's one of the things geek culture teaches us isn't it that yes. there's a role for every single type of person to play diversity yes diversity and inclusion yeah you really pay attention to geek culture, you understand it is about diversity and inclusion. And that you too have a home here. Yes. Whoever you are. Yes. Yeah. Um, However, not every person can play every part. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How's that for a segue? That was a great segue. I am a professional. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Of the cheesy segue. I just play one on the podcast. (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> um, so we want to talk today about uh, actors that truly embody their characters. So I don't know if we decided what we're going to name this. Is it? Uh, I, I had a couple ideas. It could be. Uh, I thought "Who's Got the Look" it just really nailed it because it yeah. immediately also made me think of that old song. Like, right. "Who's Got the Look." Um, right. Yeah. I mean, there's. And look, I'm as my congregation knows, I'm all about the thirty or forty year old pop cultural references. <laughs> like, it's a, it's required. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so I, I think the who's got the look is is a solid name for the podcast, and I'm I'm excited for for this one. And we were just debating, uh, kind of who gets included and and why. And um, I'm excited to see how this one rolls out because this is a topic we've talked about before. It is, it is. So I thought, how about uh, should we start at the sort of at the top, as it were? Like, are there any no doubters? Who's for you? Who are the like? Who are the who are the men or women that just are no doubt hands down absolutely nailed it? So I, I I think that we one of the things we want to talk about with this is kind of where we've also like the categories that we've put these guys into in previous conversations, right? There's the people that kind of nailed it right out of the gate, right? Just yeah. really like yeah. nailed it and owned it right out of the gate. The people that grew into it, um, right? That became and you really saw them like become the embodiment of that character. Uh, and I think, you know, there's, there's a few of those examples kind of across the board. Um, you know, uh, for me, I think somebody that really nailed it and and was taken from us like way too soon. Um, Heath Ledger is the Joker. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's to me, that's number one with a bullet, as they say. Yeah. Uh, absolutely first name that comes to mind just just brilliant like his at no point at no point in his portrayal as the joker did he go into what i would consider like a a a straight character like a very like linear process yeah he left and right like upside down all over the map and his personality there's two scenes that really nailed it for me and just being like this guy is perfect one where he first approaches all of the like mob heads and does the magic trick yes we all know right oh my gosh i will never forget I, I mean, I won't go into the boring story about why I was in the theater that day that I was, but I was in with uh, maybe six or eight other people as a group. And at least a few of us were pretty dedicated geek culture people. And that moment when he makes the, <laughs> makes the, the pencil disappear, <sighs> I distinctly remember my eyes got huge. I remember looking at the the couple of guys that were with me that are both like really into it. And we just knew in that moment that this character was going to, this, this portrayal was going to be something different, something we've never yeah. seen and go in a way that we had no idea we were going to, how lucky we were going to be and, and just how good it was going to be. Like, but that moment yeah. signaled that something different was coming here and it's going to be glorious. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree that that was that moment in the movie theater for me as well. Just watching that and then he makes the pencil disappear and just that shock of, wow, I can't believe this movie went there. Right. You yeah. like you wanted it. You'd been asking for it from kind of that specific character, too, for a long time. Yeah. Just that, that very random. And not to take away from Jack Nicholson's portrayal as the Joker. He did a, a really nice job. But Heath Ledger was so random. And there were, if you ever read about it, there were some like almost unscripted moments that took place in that movie. Um, I believe, and this this leads to the second moment that I thought is just brilliant. I read an article once a long time ago, or or maybe I dreamed I read this article. I don't know. Uh, If somebody goes out and finds I'm wrong, good on you. the hospital scene where he's walking away from the hospital and he presses the button to blow it up and it doesn't blow up and he hits it a few times and then everything explodes and it like catches him off guard and he just keeps the, and he starts cruising again. I read an article that said that was an unscripted moment that he pressed the button and the uh, pyrotechnics didn't line up with when he pressed the button. And so he was genuinely hitting it because he thought, you know, something was, was wrong. And then when it blew up, it caught him off guard, but he just rolled with it. And that like reaction and just how like he just paused, starts hitting the thing. And then all of a sudden it explodes and he's like, Oh, and off he goes. I was like, yeah. So good. I've re- I remember reading that too. I, I don't know the same article, but I have read that as well. That that was that was an unscripted moment, and that was yeah, so good. I mean, almost every scene he's in is is terrific. I guess what comes to me is the um, you know that he really embodied the chaos yeah. of the character, and he just does not give a bleep about anybody or anything. Mm-mm. And so the scene for me with that, the other one uh, after the pencil scene would be, um, well, everything about the, you know, or after he's cr- crashed the truck and Batman's crashed his, his bat cycle. And first he's just the, uh, come on, come on, come on. And I know that in some ways uh, my memory of that scene is mingled in, in with the, um, how it should have ended version, which is really pretty funny. So I, so I think sometimes like my memory melds those and I, I might, I might kind of speed that up, but, but he's the, come on, come on. And then when Batman's down on the cycle and, and the henchman goes over to take the mask off and he gets zapped by it and it's, and Joker thinks it's hilarious and mocks him for it, like mocks his own henchman. Like that was another moment to me that just said, Oh, this guy just yeah. That's a that's a really really that's a really cool. story of that just wants to watch the world burn. And I think you know what you 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 said something that really kind of brought to light the difference between Nicholson's portrayal of the Joker and and Nicholson is an amazing actor. I love Jack Nicholson, and he can do chaos really well. If you ever watched The Shining, he's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but Heath Ledger's version, Nicholson's felt like he was putting effort into that character, right? That, that he was trying to bring the Joker to life. Ledger felt like he just did it. 
Like it was a natural thing that was happening and it didn't feel like scripted in the way that Nicholson's Joker felt scripted. Yeah. And what you're talking about there is like, it's just dead on. Right. And his laugh it's so good because it's just that like ha ha he he ha 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 and then but it's not like chaotic crazy anything but it's creepy mm-hmm. yes. to the there's something mentally wrong with this person <laughs> right right uh, a, a word that I okay I'll admit I made some notes about this because I you know I'm that's I'm that I'm that guy but the word that came to mind was for this portrayal was unassailable. Mm. We thought we had a little insight into the, you know, what motivates this character, but then it turns out we really, really don't. And I think that's part of what makes him so terrifying and so creepy. Uh, The perfect line uh, from Alfred in that movie. Some people just want to watch the world burn. Right. And that's dead on about the Joker. Yeah. Right. There's no motivation. It's why in the comics, like nobody, you know, all the other high level guys, when they made the Legion of Doom, they didn't want to bring him in. He's too unpredictable. He doesn't have an, a motivator that you can manipulate and hone and target. He's just, he's just as likely to blow up the room of people that he's aligned with. Yeah. As he is to go after, you know, anybody else. Are you just that? Because it's no rhyme or reason. Just where he's at. (laughs) You got a gigantic pile of money. Let's burn it up. Yeah. We'll set it on fire. That that was so the right thing to see. If he would have like taken it all to build some kind of empire, we've just been like, nope. Nope. That's that's not him. That's not it. That's not it. Um, all right, so we've spent a little bit of time on on Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker. Who do you have on your list? Well, I mean, I had him for sure. Uh, I think I'll admit this one's a little obvious, but we got to say it. Like Robert Downey Jr. as yeah. man. I mean, it's been from the jump. Yeah, and it's been written about a ton, so I don't think we need to spend as much time with it, with it maybe. But just the way that the Robert Downey Jr. the person the way his personal story mirrors in a lot of ways, the Tony Stark story, mm-hmm. right? As guys that were, had success early, probably were called genius, has some substance abuse issues, hit, I, I mean, it's not for me to say if they hit rock bottom, but hit a, hit a really low point. Yeah. So low that it affected their career and then have this, resurgence rebirth comeback if you will and i have no idea if how much of his own story went into robert downey jr in playing that character but from the outside looking in it sure feels like it did and yeah he really seems to get the combo of immense ego immense talent and desire to protect others in that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and fear of failure. 
Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. 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 Right. That, yeah. There, there was definitely throughout so much of, of his portrayal of Tony Stark, immense fear of failure, yeah. letting everybody down, not being able to protect everyone. Right. This, that led to yeah. him building Ultron, right. um, you know, and a number of other things that, that he did. But I would agree there was there was never a moment where you didn't watch him on screen and think that is 100% Tony Stark. Right. That is 100% Iron Man. Yeah. That is everything I can remember of him in the comics. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's just so on point. And the snarky humor, like just yeah. that part. So good. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. You, ha you have to love, you know, all the way through. And it, I think it made his final sacrifice just even more heart-wrenching, right? Because we watched him through like a decade, yeah. more than a decade, yeah. own this character, develop it, hone it, you know, portray it in, in the exact way that you would, ex you would want to see. And um, it was just phenomenal. Just absolutely phenomenal. That was a good one. Yeah. Do you want to, this is the kind of thing we could probably talk about beforehand, but embrace the chaos. Do you want to like give away all of our like perfect portrayals or you want to go on to uh, like some of the other categories of people that have grown into it or, or missed it and then come back to some more? Or we, I think we can, I think we can intermingle it. I do yeah. want to bring up, because we talked about this at the beginning, the the voice actor piece mm. right um and and we talked about this one specifically and i and i have to bring it up i don't think you have darth vader without james earl jones's voice and while he wasn't the physical actor behind the portrayal of darth vader it's not the same without him his voice was brilliant yes yeah, I don't, I don't think it's an iconic character for 45 years or whatever we're at at this point without yeah. that voice. Yeah, and, and so much so that <laughs> despite all the casting, you know, differences throughout all the different Star Wars movies, he came back. They had to bring him back to voice Darth Vader every single time. Right. Every single time. There was, there was no question. You couldn't substitute somebody else. It was just him every time, every time. Yeah. So, um, and we'll, we'll kind of circle back around, I think, to this topic uh, maybe a little bit later because we had a, a couple others in there. Um, but yeah, and James Earl Jones was, was Darth Vader to me. 100%. I've got the, uh, on that topic, if you stay there for a second, I've got the uh, DC animated characters uh, background going there. And I got to, I got to nominate uh, the voice of the nineties um, animated Batman. Is it Kevin Conroy or Conroy? It's Conroy, isn't it? Like yeah. somehow like that's the voice that does it for me. And like the current DC movies have largely been good. And there've been a few different people. Bruce Greenwood, I think, is a guy that does some of right. the Batman, and he's he's perfectly fine. 
And I don't mean that as an insult. Like, like he's fine. Like, right, right. He's pretty, he's pretty good. Like the, the Tracy Martin commercials. Yeah, pretty, right. I'm pretty sure he's okay. No, like he's good, but I don't know. Maybe it, it's because I was a young adult when the animated cartoon thing came out, but animated cartoon, is that redundant? Uh, when the animated series came out, like I think he just gets the voice right. Agreed. I, yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, so how about uh, moving into uh, actors that grew into their characters and became like the embodiment of it? Who yeah. do you have? Um, I would, that's a good question. How about, how about Chris Hemsworth as Thor for that? I would agree with that, yeah. My question though, I don't know how much of that is on the actor and how much of it is the writing. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the, the character for the first couple of movies, for Thor, for uh, the first Avengers movie, into even Thor Dark World, is pretty stilted and wooden and kind of... There's, not, I, I a think lot of, that, there's not a lot of personality there, right? Yeah, I think we saw flashes in the first Avengers movie mm-hmm. when they let, cause Hemsworth is funny. Right, right. Hemsworth has a, 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 just an amazing sense of comedic timing. It, and, if, and if somebody's sitting here listening to this or watching this and they're like, Thor has good comedic timing. You have A, not seen uh, Ragnarok, right? Um, and B, you haven't watched the all women's version of Ghostbusters, which is a highly underrated movie. But Chris Hemsworth in that yeah. is hilarious alongside like Melissa McCarthy and, and the rest of that cast. Um, so in the in the first Avengers movie where he's kind of standing on the bridge and they're having the conversation about Loki and they're, they're like, he killed X number of people. He's like, he's adopted. Right. And, you're, yeah, yeah, and you're like, hey, careful, that's my brother. He yeah. killed however many people. Yeah. Adopted. Yeah. Oh. yeah. He's adopted. Yeah. Right. You know, and his his voice inflections, I feel like the first movie, right? The first Thor movie was uh, directed by Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Right. And Kenneth Branagh is incredible. Um, he comes from a, a traditional like Shakespearean background right. in terms of acting. And I think there was an effort in the first Thor movie, to your point, to make it feel very kind of like Shakespearean almost in its in its entirety. Right. Yeah. We didn't we got little things, but it wasn't like an outside reach of what you might think a, an, a Viking as Guardian would do like. Yeah, the cup on the ground. I like this story of the royal court. Yeah, right. And then in Dark World, you know, in Dark World, I I enjoyed Dark World. I didn't dislike Dark World, but you know, I and I think most of us agree that Marvel kind of had a sophomore jinx for a little while. Like Iron Man two, not great. Uh, Thor, Dark World entertaining but not the best right um you know and I, I i would agree with you i think a lot of that has to do with like writing but to to the credit of the people making the movies 
they finally realized Hemsworth's skills within that comedic timing aspect yeah. and started to bring that to light and to life a little bit more. Yeah. You know, um, and also I think we got to see, you know, Thor's like true power and Hemsworth, it, it just, he does a, a really nice job and he grew to do a really nice job once they took him out, out of his box and said, oh, you can do regal, strong, powerful, and humble, funny, hurt. Yeah, right. Let's right. let you do that then. Yeah. And in a kind of odd meta sort of way, I would say that really does pretty perfectly embody the, the larger narrative in the Thor comic books. You know what I mean? That like early on in like the 60s and in the 70s and even into the 80s, Thor's pretty wooden and stilted and his dialogue's pretty rough to go back and read. Like it's, it's not great. But as the story continues, like through the whole thing where there's like all the Norse gods are dead for a while and then he brings it back and Asgard moves to Oklahoma. That's such a good one. <laughs> right? And as you move into siege and fear itself and then eventually as i've talked about before and probably will again the jason aaron run on thor yeah. um that ended with that concluded just spectacularly in my opinion in war of the realms um like thor goes the character goes through this whole transformation this pretty it's similar to what we we've been talking about with what the hemsworth version has gone through on screen that mm -hmm. by the time you get to Endgame. He's funny, like you just said, he's funny, really powerful. At times, like, is convinced he's the most powerful. And because of that, like, he has the most responsibility, not to steal a Spider-Man line, but, like, right. and yet the pathos is, is strong with this one as well. Mm -hmm. He's motivated in a lot of ways by the pain he's experienced. Yeah, oh, oh absolutely. And just i i think that that growth too came out i think certain characters have perfect foils that you put against them that make them more engaging more real more whatever you want to say and uh tom hiddleston's loki was picture perfect in that that regard and i liked hiddleston's loki again you know we saw him really come out a, a couple times but again i think you know he was a little stilted like Kemsworth was but as time went on he became like funny as well and those two uh, with each other some heart-wrenching like tear-jerking moments some hilarious moments and then moments where you're like they're gonna kill each other <laughs> right yeah and through it all we saw them grow into brothers we yeah. saw that brotherly love we saw it truly exist in a way that didn't like maybe exist in the first thor movie right we saw uh Hemsworth's mourning when he thought Loki died we saw Loki's sadness when he thought Thor was gone like there was it's just really really well done 
job by the writing staff to recognize the the potential depth and breadth of, that these characters could have and the ability and skill of the two individuals involved to bring those characters to a new level and they really did i mean man yeah for sure so good so good and fat thor awesome and it's funny but you know i feel like that's the thing that could have just been like oh we're just going to use this as a gag and isn't it funny and clever but i think it really fits with the it, it was a great way to again embody the grief that he was experiencing that Thor mm-hmm. was the character yeah that he just couldn't he he couldn't stand to care anymore and he had to just sort of let it go well because he cared so much because he was so hurt by not being able to to save everybody by not going for the head or whatever like he's he's devastated yeah that door thing is both Mm -hmm. funny and tragic no i agree um all right so one of mine that grew into this yeah same cinematic universe uh and same first name chris evans okay chris evans uh captain america first avenger Again, I think we we chalk a lot of that up to maybe it, and I and high expectations set from the first Iron Man, yeah. right? High expectations set from the first Iron Man, and that kind of maybe first round of how do we really like what is this character about? How do we really talk about it? And how does now? I want to say like. Evans did a nice job in Captain America First Avenger. Um, But through the first movie, I wasn't 100% convinced because Cap in the comic books has a presence. Mm -hmm. Like just a a presence about him. And I didn't get that in the first Avenger. Right? Yeah. However... It started to show up despite the terrible costume in the first Avengers movie. Yeah. Shame on you costume designers from the first Avengers movie. They laughed at themselves about it. They really did. It was lovely. I loved it. Right. That was, that was great. Who's in the spangly suit. Um, But when we got to uh, Captain America, like winter soldier. Oh, hands down and ever since ever since he everything that he did every way that he acted everything that he said every motivating factor that he displayed hands down captain america yeah just just absolutely hands down captain america steve rogers right Yes. And I, and I think that's important because we have a new Captain America and I'm super excited to see, uh, see Anthony Mackie play Captain America. I mean, we've talked about this before. It's, he just really does a nice shot. And somebody else, I think, grew into their character. Um, hands down. But yeah, I, for me, Evans is, will always be, you couldn't recast Steve Rogers. Agreed. Yeah. 
I just can't see it now. I could have seen it after the first one, right? And you're like, okay, well, if you found somebody else, right? But, and some of that may be, I'm going to say my own bias and residual like feelings because we'd seen Evans play a Marvel cinematic hero before in Johnny Storm. And so maybe there was some of that leftover carryover, right? But I think that's a good example of why, of just what we're saying, that Evans was able to grow into Cap. He wasn't a good fit as Johnny Storm. He became a really good, and maybe he's a good enough actor. He could have grown into that character if that whole piece wasn't just so, all those movies weren't just so terrible. But the Chris Evans as, as Steve Rogers, Captain America, as you say, he had a chance to grow into it and he really, really did. And so that it, it feels like, at least to us as outside observers, the, a much better mesh of actor and character than Evans and... Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, um, Evans has the, just what you're saying, the presence, right, that, that moral... Language. Earnest, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he manages, he manages to do it in a way that's endearing and yes. not and super annoying somehow. And and to go to the you know you had Hiddleston and and uh, and Helmsworth when they finally brought Iron Man and Captain America together. And that relationship developed over time. It was amazing. Yeah. It was it was dead on too. Like those two, the way that they interacted, you could see the moments of I'm gonna strangle you, and the moments of you know, like just that like camaraderie love. Yeah. Camaraderie is that a word? You know what? We're good with it. Um, in the softness and the in the mild humor that existed, like in Civil War, you know, when when uh, Evan says, you know, when I see something going south, I just gotta, you know, tack it and and uh, you know, Downey Jr. is like, sometimes I just want to punch you in your perfect teeth, <laughs> right? And and t- that was a, that was one of those moments. You're like, yeah, this is this is them, like to a T, like brothers in arms, very divergent views coming from different eras, like, you know, different backgrounds, but probably want to kill each other at some, some point. They try at the end of civil war and then it goes on. Um, so that, you know, that's another, uh, do we have anybody in the DC world that you think grew into a character? That's a good question. Um, Again, sometimes it's hard to separate from the writing. I'd almost say Gal Gadot has sort of grown lesser in Wonder Woman. Is that is that harsh? Is that fair? Like I thought the, her first appearance as Diana Prince in the mm. in the um, Batman v Superman was really good, and her standalone movie was so good. And then we all know Justice League was just a mess. The Snyder Cut is better. Honestly, I don't remember much about her performance in there because it's not really focused on her. And Wonder Woman 2 was just such a mess. 
I, I don't know. How, I don't know if that's fair to her. Is that not being fair? Maybe I'm not being fair to her to say she's not embodying character when the quality of the writing in the movies hasn't been anywhere near good enough. Yeah, I thought she was a, a phenomenal Wonder Woman in, you know, Batman versus Superman. I thought she was amazing in the first Wonder Woman. I mean, you know, what an incredible job. Well written and directed movie. Um, the Snyder cut, I, I never talk about the first one, the first version of that anymore. Uh, it doesn't exist. It's dead to me. Right. Um, but in the Snyder cut, she was, again, really nice presence very strong, very confident, you know, all those things. And, and then uh, Wonder Woman 84, I was just disappointed. Yeah. I, I felt like we got a, another messy, like DC movie that just missed the mark on a, a number of points. So I don't know that it's fair on, you know, to say Gal Gadot went backwards because right. I think it was the writing that went backwards. And I think if, yeah. you know, somebody came back around that knew and understood the character really, really well, I think we would get a strong performance from Gal Gadot. That's, that's fair. And I think now that you're saying that, thinking about the Snyder Cut again, the, the, the scene in the bank really to me embodies the Wonder Woman character. Here's her strength and her speed and her precision and her absolute determination to take you down mm -hmm. and then also protect the kids and connect with them afterwards. Like that yeah. moment where she, what does she give the, I forget exactly what she does. So she does something like with the little girl in the bank and makes sure she's okay. And, and like the instant transformation from almost invincible warrior to soft, like, soft, compassionate, like, is able to be the presence that the kid needs, kids need in that yeah. is true. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I would say, and, and so I'd like to transition into, I, I mean, we talked about like the swing and the miss one, and, and maybe we save that for a second. I want to talk about uh, undercredited for their performance in their role, for whatever reason, maybe the movie just wasn't a box office success or what have you, yeah. or in geek world, you can burn me at the stake for this if you want, or it was just a bunch of people from our culture who wanted what they wanted and got something that they you know, weren't expecting. And so they just panned it terribly or um, really didn't understand the, the history and how the character was developed and, and came from. Um, and I'm gonna start with one that <laughs> is probably gonna be controversial, but I liked Ryan Reynolds as Green Lantern. What? Hmm? You're not allowed to say that out loud? I know, right? It's probably going to get me booted. We'll never get another listener again. Right, exactly. Uh, and I think that this was more of a, a movie that tried to do too much in its two-hour window and gave us the wrong intro into that universe. Like, had they put... I think everybody expected Green Lantern and Sinestro, right, to square off. 
And, and what we got was a very long convoluted kind of messy thing. And the thing that I heard people say against Ron, Reynolds portrayal of Hal Jordan was that Hal Jordan wasn't, you know, this flyboy like, you know, kind of sarcastic, whatever. I will 100% disagree with that. I grew up a huge Green Lantern fan. Huge. It was my favorite in the DC universe for a long time. I read tons of comics around him. I watched every like thing that I could. He was a cocky pilot mm-hmm. who didn't lose that edge until he had been a lantern for a long time and gone through a, a whole lot of like rough stuff and yeah. you know was possessed by parallax at one point and all these other things like he didn't become that version of green lantern forever he was cocky pilot flyboy right kind of a, a cowboy and and the animated dc movies portrayed that as well yeah and so I, I was really bummed out when like dc fandom like just hammered him for that because one i don't think the movie was his fault and i think his portrayal of how jordan was actually fairly on point yeah i can't really disagree with that i mean i think if you made me choose though i would say he's much better as deadpool oh yeah yeah for sure <laughs> definitely not as deadpool yeah like, yeah i mean he is deadpool like perfectly yeah he yeah. was the bright spot in origins yeah let's someday we're gonna do a podcast on like movies that are better than you've been led to believe they are origins will not make my list on that <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> exist we don't no. talk about it no no, the um, work with a mouse who didn't have a mouse. Uh, it's so weird. Um, and the, and the sliding it. swords out of the arms, like Wolverine claws. Just stop. Just yeah, stop. like, you just, just not stop. okay, guys. Like, sincerely not okay. But thank God uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob Leefield didn't let that be the end. We have... And, and just real quick trip back to the, like, somebody that embodied the character right from the jump ryan reynolds as deadpool nobody can disagree with that 100 percent. yeah so funny good. and sarcastic and and, so and silly and sophomoric and yes yeah and, and still exactly. badass but like <laughs> every bit of it uh, dude the superhero landing part is like so bad on the knees the breaking the fourth wall to have like conversations with the audience, everything just so well done. I, and I know some people didn't like Deadpool two as much as Deadpool one and that's okay. Um, but where he's standing there squaring off against juggernaut for the first time. And he's like, just swinging back and forth and that like super excited to meet you kind of little kid way. And then he gets ripped in half and he, it's like, oh God, where are my legs? <laughs> Thank you. The PG 13 version of Deadpool 2 would be better, but that's that's a conversation for another day, I think. Yeah. It's um, so, good. Uh, yeah. it's so good. Let's go back. How about anybody? How about uh, other? Because I got a couple others, like no doubters. Right? Okay, let's hear them. Okay. All right. Um, I, 
I gotta say Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, Black Panther. Yeah. Just and I, you know, it's obviously it's tragic that he has that he died. Yeah. Last year, and then we don't get to do see that anymore. Um, so to me, he's kind of he's like Heath Ledger in that way that you know we at least we got a couple of performances from him. Yeah. Um, and we've been getting a couple of more in the the What If, which has been cool, and we'll maybe next week when uh, after then the what if finale comes out we'll we might have to talk about that you know next week but yeah. my goodness like just the strong and regal and and handsome and driven and self-assured but willing to learn and grow and mm-hmm. you know he's, he's the king but willing to hear what other people had to say like all of it it's just yeah my goodness that guy like i, I i'm glad that they're going to I think it makes sense and it follows some, some of the storylines in the comics that the rumors are that Shuri is going to become, take on the mantle of Black Panther and that's cool and great, but I hope nobody else tries to play T'Challa. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, that from what I've read and from what I've seen, like the Marvel Universe has no interest in doing that because of, you know, just honoring that memory. Um, and the work that he did and he was brilliant brilliant and, and he just nailed it uh and he's such a good actor you know he, he really was he just really was and he will be t'challa black panther forever yeah. right forever no questions yeah. asked right um yeah, that's a good one that's a good one i'm gonna go to um Back to the the voice actors that, okay. uh, and we talked about this one before we started as well. Mark Hamill's voicing of the Joker. This is the second time we brought up the Joker, but Mark Hamill's voicing of the Joker. You know, for years I didn't know it was Mark Hamill. Right? Yeah. And no idea. Yeah. No idea. And when you think about that in the context of everybody knows his voice in geek culture. Because he played Luke Skywalker, right? And we've all seen those movies a hundred times over. We've yeah. seen him in, in interviews a hundred times over. By the way, him and Mark Hamill in interviews, like if Mark Hamill ever sees this, man, you're a great dude. Like what an just phenomenal human being. Um, also, if you're not following Hamill on Twitter, do so now. Yeah, right. Pause this podcast. Go follow him on the socials and come back and listen to us. Yeah, please okay. do because his socials are great. Yeah, um, but he does just an amazing job. Like to not know to to know that man's voice so well, right from childhood and into adulthood, and to watch that portrayal of the Joker and not know it's him. Well done, sir. Right, right. Just well done. Like you nailed it. Um, yeah. Should we, because uh, we'll, we'll start wrapping up, should we go into the swing and the miss category? Uh, I got one more nailed it that I want to bring up. And uh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to uh, the Marvel Netflix universe. And I know from our conversations, there's one from there that you have. Yeah, I'll, I'll I agree with you, but I'll let you have that one. I'm going to go, I'm going to say, I really thought Mike Coulter as Luke Cage hit that one right on the head. That yeah. he's got the look 
for uh, for Luke Cage that he's got that combination of obviously powerful and large, powerful. See what I did And uh, you know, and, but yet compassionate and does a great job of embodying that whole thing of like he's so annoyed by all the the fighting and like all the 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 unnecessary <laughs> like just stop shooting at me just stop right the yeah. shirt gets ruined and right. he's blown out by the Every shirt shot up. Right. yeah just stop but then when he needs to he's like okay i will put an end to the fight now i couldn't convince you to just stop so i will stop you yeah and i man i you and i talk about this a lot but i though i thought the marvel netflix shows were so good I, you know especially uh luke cage and punisher and the one i know you're gonna talk about actually uh i'm gonna so it's funny so i'm gonna talk about two and i'm gonna go in different directions with it than you might think um nailed it from the onset john bernthal yeah. as the punisher the Punisher has had so many swings and misses yeah. from Dolph Lundgren to, right. you know, right. like so many where we had three Punisher movies and in all three Punisher movies, you went, that's not him. Yeah. Like, that's terrible. Like, it's just the, there's a motivation missing. There's something missing. John Bernthal. Wow. What can be said? Like, right. there's, there's certain characters that you want to see come back from very like selfish reasons because you think there's more to that story to be told i never in a million years thought the punisher would be one of those because we had three horrible movies yeah but his turn as the punisher uh showing up in daredevil and then getting his own show and we talked about the you know the punisher as a comic book character before and you know you're your thing on it, if I remember right, is like just the pure violence and kind of lack of depth. John Bernthal brought a depth and emotion to a character that, and he didn't do it without being, while being untrue to the roots of the character. He just, he just showed us a level to like the grief, the pain that fuels that anger, right? Yeah. So good. Yeah, that's a great so example. And you're right. So my my take on that was I've never cared about the Punisher character. I just mm -hmm. never cared. I know he exists. I know he's around. I've never sought it out. I've never thought it was all that interesting. Okay. John Bernthal's performance made me care about the character. Yeah. Yeah. I think he did and that. I don't know how to give a bigger, a bigger compliment than that. He embodied that character and as you say, gave it such depth, gave him such pathos and struggle and like just embodied that internal uh chaos that's happening for him embodied the grief and the pain and the determination to go on like in a way that i was not expecting and made me want to watch every moment of it yeah absolutely hands down and there were moments where you you saw the comic book version of him very clearly come out like in the prison scene where he kills everyone yeah without remorse and you see the rage on his face gosh it's just so just so good um and so the next one is going to be a little bit different uh because i actually think this person grew in to embodying this character perfectly 
And in the, in the first like couple episodes, I was like, eh, we'll see where this goes. Right. Cause the show itself was, was good and really well done, but I wasn't sold on the individual. And then I became 100% sold on the individual. And I don't think anybody else should ever plan. That's Charlie Cox's daredevil. Yeah. That's the one I was expecting from him. Like we talk about that. Yeah. A lot. I think he's, just so good but yeah take it away what, what do you yeah so for me it's just you know i daredevil was another one of my favorites as a kid i read a lot of the comic books i really liked uh liked him and the thing about it was matt murdoch the matt murdoch personality had uh some quip and humor and lightness to him and then you know daredevil was very obviously violent um the daredevil movie with ben affleck Right. There are a couple of good scenes in there, you know, that were okay, but you know, by and large, um, and someday we'll have to talk about Batfleck. And it did give us the, uh, the Evanescence song that's still with us to this day. Yeah. I don't know why, but it is. Um, so, but the first couple episodes, I, I feel like, and maybe it was just how they were writing his character and the dialogue and everything else you didn't see some of that come out, right? But as the show went on and he settled into the role and man, like the idea of Charlie Cox as a, as a outside person, like just disappeared and you were like, oh, that's Matt Murdock. Oh, now he's Daredevil. And the, the duality of that character, right? Because there is a very strong, you know, we just talked about Luke Cage. Luke Cage is Luke Cage. Yeah. Um, there is no real duality to Luke Cage. He's just like, he doesn't, even have a, he doesn't even have a superhero name. It's just, yeah, like, he doesn't even have a superhero name. Uh, the Punisher, there's not really duality to the Punisher, but so Daredevil know. has a very strong duality. He's like Batman in that sense, right? Yeah. Bruce Wayne is the billionaire playboy. Yeah, yeah. And then Batman is the Dark Knight. Which Daredevil? And Daredevil is, is kind of the same. Like, you yeah. know, Matt Murdock is this lawyer who likes to fight for the underprivileged but he's also kind of a you know humorous whatever oh, daredevil who just likes to fight yeah and daredevil who's like i just want to fight right i'm gonna i'm going after everybody and i'm gonna write every wrong and he has those lines that he doesn't cross with like killing people and whatnot but he's not afraid to break a couple bones right um and yeah. charlie cox just nailed it and i'm really excited i have to say i'm really excited to see him on the big screen in the new Spider-Man movie, if all those rumors are true. If that's really true, I will, I will be super excited. I, I agree with you. Cox, to me, embodies the tortured soul mm -hmm. yeah. of that duality that you're talking about and really wrestles with his idea of, of God and who God is and who he's supposed to be yeah. in a world where, the, if, where this God that he believes in is like does he who's essentially i think and you know obviously as a pastor i might be colored here on this might be might be biased but i think he's wrestling with the question who is god calling me to be in this world because i have both mm -hmm. these the duality that you're talking about the right it's not exactly you know he's not mild mannered clark kent but he's 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 God fearing. I grew up in the, yeah. you know, in an yeah. orphanage with nuns and fathers taking care of me. <clears throat> right. And has that belief in God, like you're talking about. Um, and he, and he wrestles with it. Like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, is, you know, and, and that's, it's, yeah, that's exactly the right thing. He wrestles with 
with mm-hmm. God and with himself and his role in the world, I think. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to see anybody else play Matt Murdock. No, uh-uh. nope. I, I, you know, I think the three people we just talked about, I, I would love to see translate into the big screen. Um, and, and I think they deserve more time in those characters because I think they all did a great job. Hopefully Charlie Cox, <clears throat> you know, is, is actually going to get, <clears throat> excuse me, is actually going to get that time. If all the rumors are true, yeah. I'd love to see, uh, Bernthal get that and, you know, as well. Uh, uh so before we wrap up, let's, yeah. let's go into our swings and a miss. Okay. So. Uh, as you tell by my background, I've been thinking about Star Wars a lot lately. Yeah. It's, it was my first introduction into geek culture. I, I remember watching the original Star Wars and, um, you know, when it came out in the movie theater, by the way, they smoked in movie theaters back then. I remember that vividly as a child as well. So I was having grown up in the original Star Wars trilogy, you can imagine how excited I was for the next Star Wars trilogy to tell us that first part of the story. And there were some great performances in there. You know, let's give it up for Ewan McGregor. I can't wait to see the Obi-Wan show that comes to Disney Plus. Yeah. I'm sure the person I'm about to talk about is a very nice person, and I have nothing against them as a human being. Uh Hayden Christensen, though, as Anakin was tough for me. Like, I I go back and and watch it. And I'm going to be real honest, and this is probably extremely superficial on my end, but everybody else seemed to grow in the, in the, in the series and kind of mature and evolve and, and change. And I just felt like Hayden Christensen didn't do that with his character. I, I felt like it was just kind of flat. Um, if you ever watch the Clone Wars cartoons, mm. they do a, a really good job of like fleshing out Anakin Skywalker and, and bringing that character to life and, and just a really nice job with that. Um, and I feel like, and maybe it was the writing, right? But I don't think you would have, I think we would have had a more dynamic and interesting and tortured Anakin if somebody else had played him. Yeah. My two cents. Yeah, I can't argue with any of that. Uh, I was kind of thinking, I might say, um, I might go with a swing and miss. I just am not enamored with Ezra Miller as Flash. I, I know we're going to get a, we're supposedly we're going to get a movie with it and I'm sure we'll go watch it, but I, I don't know. I don't know what, I can't put my finger on it, but I just, and again, maybe it's because the movies haven't been fabulous, but I'm fine with him as like the sort of jokey, like uncertain comic relief character, I guess. Although I don't really think that's who, well, maybe that's Flash has been somewhat, but I don't know. Maybe it's the physicality. I just, and it's probably completely unfair, but I just, I, he doesn't scream flash to me. I, I, I agree with you. I, um, but again, like, you know, 
I think growing up in the, in the era that like we grew up in, I probably read more DC originally, right? Okay. So like Green Lantern, Flash, Superman, and it probably had something to do with the Super Friends cartoon being <laughs> yeah. on TV during that right. time frame, right? So you were exposed yeah. to it and you're like, oh, that's what I want to read. Yeah. And uh, the Flash was always super cool because he moved so fast and who he is in... Barry Allen in, in the comic books is a, he's a little humorous when he's playing the flash, mm -hmm. but there's a level of intelligence that exists behind it. Right. It's, it's witty. Um, it, Ezra Miller's portrayal feels very childlike and adolescent to me. And yeah. he's yeah. not like, that's not Barry Allen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not just childlike, but childish. Yeah. Very childish. Like he, yeah. he's, he's, he's got a sense of wonder about him that I think is, is interesting, but he, I guess one of the, and we'll, I'll touch on this and maybe this will help a little bit with, with this, the justice league movie, the biggest swing and miss for me in that movie was everybody was brought in out of sequence. Hmm. We've got a super young, underdeveloped Flash who had not gone to school yet and wasn't working with the police department or anything like that. And that's not where we got the Flash yeah. in the comic books. We had the Dark Knight Returns version of Batman. Right, so super old and had been at it for a you know, grizzled veteran who was... Yeah, this is kind of old and kind of struggling to care anymore. Yeah, we got a Superman that seemed like he was fairly new on the scene. Yeah. And we got a Wonder Woman who'd been around for ages, right? But was like not really exposed to the world yet. Yeah. And then we had a, an Aquaman that, you know, was. I, I am too new into, into that as well. So there was, there was this weird, bizarre mix and you, and it was hard to like get into the characters in the way that you wanted to. And I think it really did. And who knows, like, like you said, we're supposed to get a flash movie and, and maybe we'll see something different, but I feel like we got an out of sequence flash that we hadn't really ever seen before anywhere. Yeah. And, um, and it just like, it was a swing and a miss. Um, it was a swing and a miss. So I, I agree with you on that one. Who's the kid that plays uh, the flash in the CW TV show? Yeah. I don't know his name. I don't really, I haven't really watched a lot of it. Austin, Gustin. Yeah. I don't know. I, I got to be honest, I've only ever watched a couple episodes. I can't, I have a hard time going back and binge watching any of those. Agreed. But I will say, like, the, what I've seen of him, he's a really nice job. I think that's right. Yeah, he for sure gets the, he does a better job of portraying the intelligence version and the... Very much so, yeah. Is a yeah. competent person in the world, as opposed to the Ezra Miller, like, I'm hiding out in a warehouse. Yeah. Like that's my okay. secret 
place yeah, and I, yeah, I just, I don't know. It, it was just it was yeah it was weird to me it was weird yeah so I we're going long here i want to i got just two <clears throat> quick ones i'm just to shout out this names like back to the voice actor things how about shamik moore as miles morales in in spider-verse like oh so good I so that good that's a good one yeah yeah um excited for the second one of those yeah oh my gosh so much no um i've never known how to pronounce her name uh is it i always want to say kelly kuko but i don't know is it coco kuko quote i don't know i don't know how you say it but uh she was on the i didn't watch the show she was on the uh how wait no not how i met your mother the other one um you're talking about maria hill genius one no but no no so she plays she plays she voices harley quinn in the hbo max animated harley quinn show that's so so good good. yeah right so good what's what's the tv show i know here here's where i'm gonna lose all my greek geek cred like what's the what's the tv show that she was in with bazinga and blah 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 I've never watched that TV show. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, honestly, I don't. I don't know. Okay. I couldn't tell you. I'm gonna lose all my credit too. Right? Okay. Okay. I've not watched that show. I know of it, but was Sheldon and something like? Oh yeah, I can't think of the name, and everybody loves it. And it's like they're, you know, it's the Big Bang. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the Big, Big Bang. Bang Theory. Yeah, Big well. Bang Theory. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Uh, I've never really, I think I've watched like two episodes of that yeah. in my entire time. And I just like. Yeah. Anyway, I think she does a really good job as Harley Quinn in that animated show. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I would agree with you there. I, I would agree with you. And uh, leaving off on a, on a positive, because we can leave off on a, we should always end on a positive. I'd say, and I'm going to go way, way back again into the Star Wars kind of universe. Okay. Right out of the gate. Uh, and he made this character. So I don't know if it's fair to say this, but I, you know, even if you go back and watch A New Hope, he just, he, he was him. And I know they made a, a movie outside of that about this character. And I felt like, eh. It was all right, but Harrison Ford is Han Solo forever and ever in my mind. Like he just, he just, he was great. Like he was great. Like Mark Hamill, like all of them did a a phenomenal job. And like, again, shout out to Mark Hamill. Uh, He was, it will always be like Luke Skywalker. And although I think that, I think that, and he would agree, uh, Sebastian Shaw, has the potential should they ever make a, a Luke Skywalker series? So Sebastian Shaw could come in and he has no, a very similar look. Yeah. But they tried to make a solo movie about a young Han Solo. Yeah. And I and I felt like it was a fun movie. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't. It didn't feel like Han Solo. Feel like Han Solo. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's. That's fair. I uh, Han Solo was always my favorite character in the original ones when I was a kid, even though I was probably much more like Luke, you know, young at the time and certainly a dork I was and not really sure about what was going on. You know, I had none of that 
cocky assurance that uh, that Harrison Ford gave Han Solo, and that's probably why I um, that's probably why I liked it because I you know it, was some, it embodied something that I couldn't be. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I would agree with you. I would actually like to see, and, and I know they're making all these like shows. You know, we got the Mandalorian that was really cool. We're gonna get the Book of Boba Fett. I'm excited for that one. Um, super excited for that one. We're gonna get the Obi Wan show. I really would like them to give us a Luke Skywalker show post uh, Return of the Jedi because there's a lot of mythos in there and there's, you know, we never really saw how strong and how powerful Luke became. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of bummed about that in the last trio of movies that, you know, again, we didn't really get to see like the full breadth of his power and and, uh, everything that he went through. But still, Mark Hamill. Um, we got to see Mark Hamill again. Right. And, and let me just interject to say that the last act of Luke Skywalker, if you will, was a pretty dang impressive display of power. Yeah. Well, and we, we got to see, I will say, you know, and I think what really, and I'd also like to see a Darth Vader standalone series. Oh, my gosh. Because for very similar reasons. At the end of Rogue One, we finally saw how terrifying Darth Vader really is. And at the end of Mandalorian, we saw saw, like that, that power from Luke. And I'm like, just show me like my little geek heart would love this so much. Right. Um, So anyway, it's like, that's way divergent from our, uh, from our. All right. Here's a question. This is going to have to be, we're going to do a sequel at some point to this episode. And I want us to tackle that one. Here's the question for you is, have we ever had, a perfectly cast battle. Yeah, I think that's its own episode. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's its own episode. There've been so many that have played Batman. Right. So right. yeah, let's let's save that one for a later date. We'll put that one in our hat, and I think uh, I think we're good to wrap this one up. All right, everybody. If anybody's still with us, like seventy minutes later, I know. Thank you. <laughs> You're amazing. We uh, we just having fun. If, if I hope you are too. Um, we know it's, it's, we're not solving world problems here, but everybody needs a little diversion and something that can, um, it can bring them a little joy. And, and that's our hope here. I think at coffee and capes that, uh, you enjoy some coffee if that's your thing and, uh, and enjoy some geek culture if that's your thing. And if it's not, maybe you'll learn to like it a little more. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thanks for tuning in all six people who probably have listened to this and you know if if you are listening to this for the first time thanks and uh feel free to put like requests for future episodes like future discussions that you would like to see in any comments uh if you do put in comments as always remember this is an inclusive and and happy place and you can disagree with us and please put in like if you do disagree with us on something feel free we're happy to have a debate just as always uh be nice about it yeah right john where can people find us uh they can find us on spotify coffee in in so it's coffee apostrophe n apostrophe capes uh so coffee and capes uh we'll be coming to itunes soon and then uh also our youtube channel so you can watch us if you want i mean there's really nothing that's involved there just Two handsome guys talking about. Talking <laughs> about. <laughs> it's a stretch, but hey, well, you know we can we can uh, grow into those characters. Right. 
Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Bye, John. Bye. Bye.